going to start with a, an acknowledgement of country. So the Education Directorate acknowledges the Ngunnawal peoples as the traditional custodians of the ACT and region upon which we live and work. We pay respect to the United Ngunnawal Elders Council and to the Elders both past and present of the Ngunnawal Nation for they hold the hopes and dreams for the future of the ACT and the surrounding region. We also acknowledge and pay respect to the Rec Bay peoples as custodians of the land on which several education and care services are located. We value the diverse contributions that our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander colleagues make to our community. And I'd like to add to that my usual little refrain that I am overwhelmed and very proud of the way in which the education and care sector in the ACT have taken on board the objective of building respect for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples through the, the curriculum that we present in our centres. Um, I, I know from assessment and rating that this now has moved from in 2012 being an area that was practically not considered at all to a, a key area um, of focus for education and care in the ACT. So well done, keep it up, keep truth telling and keep the momentum going because it's not an area that we can say we have done our best at this point in time. All right? Thank you very much, Wendy. Um, I'm equally surprised and delighted to be talking to you today. Um, so Sean was very disappointed not to be here, but he took Wendy's advice and he got a COVID test and he stayed at home. So we're pleased to say he's negative, but he's got to stay at home until his symptoms have all gone. Uh, so it gives me the opportunity to talk to you this morning. So I will be looking at my notes a little bit, so apologies if my head's down a little bit and I'm a little bit slow, but um, I'll do my very best. Thanks, Kylie. So last September at the sector meeting, we took some time to reflect on our experiences during 2020. We spoke about the sector's resilience and ongoing commitment to children and families during the difficult times such as the fire at Namaji and much of New South Wales, the smoke and the air quality which kept children in for long periods of time, and then the hailstorm which really affected the centre of Canberra and the corridor up to Balconnen and of course COVID-19. We also unpacked the progress of the early childhood strategy and the importance of mental health and wellbeing within our sector and our communities. Last year, SICA ran two surveys to gain a better understanding of the changes experienced by the sector during 2020, including the impact of COVID-19. The purpose of the surveys was to capture the sector's experience in tra transitioning back to CCS and ACCS and the changes relating to staffing and children's enrolments. The surveys were sent to all providers in the ACT at the end of July and the end of October. Today I'll share with you the trends captured through the surveys and also the ACT Long Service Leave Authority's data on educator employment in the ACT. We'll then take a look at what's going to be happening um, for the sector this year, both at national and ACT level. 
Now, some of these slides are quite detailed, so you might want to have a look um, at your packs there, because it's going to be a little bit difficult seeing it on the screen, I think. So this first slide represents staffing changes in the July 2020 survey results. So at this time, the Commonwealth Relief Package was in place and the sector are about to return to CCS with support of a transition package. School holidays had commenced after a full term of homeschooling arrangements. 83% of providers replied to the survey and that represented around 201 services. 4% of the participants reported a decrease in staff employment levels. 2% an increase, and the vast majority, 94%, no change in staff employment. The common themes reported for those experiencing a decrease were that parents were working from home and the demand was declining. Also, staff had left or were taking periods away from work due to, due to health concerns or personal commitments or looking after family members. We also noticed in the out-of-school hours care sector that students have returned to their home jurisdictions. The services reporting no change continue to operate as usual. So we'll now have a look at the October survey results. So at this time, services have returned to CCS and ACCS funding and back to typical operations. Schools had also recommenced. 55% of the providers responded to this survey and we appreciate that there was a lot going on, um, a lot of feedback required from the server from the um, sector last year, particularly from the Commonwealth as well as from ourselves. Of those that responded, that represented 116 of our services. At that time, 2% of participants were reporting a decrease in staffing levels, 11% an increase, and again, the majority, 87%, no changes in staffing levels. So those experiencing a decrease reported the reduction in need, particularly of out-of-school hours care. A lot of parents were still working at, from home at that time. Also, staff leaving for personal reasons, again, looking after family members, health concerns or study commitments. Those experiencing an increase had seen an increase in children's enrolments and also an increase in parents' confidence. Those experiencing no change did report some difficulty in recruiting qualified and skilled staff, resulted in limited places offered to families. So when we look at both surveys, the majority of staffing levels in the services remained stable. A small percentage, percentage of out-of-school as care and family day case care services experienced a slight decrease and long day care services experienced a small increase in staff. So we're now going to have a look at the long service leave authorities data which gives us an overall picture of the workforce in the ACC. So the long service data, sorry, the long service leave authority gathered data on the number of employees identifying as educators in the ACT. So that's covering long, long day care, family day care, out of school hours care. It does actually exclude government preschools. The data can help us understand staff changes in the sector. And you can see that the red line at the top is the total count of workers in the ICT. 
The purple line is the total count of active workers, and the yellow line, thank you, is the total count of educators leaving the sector. So the employment data recorded over the two-year period between January 2019 and December 2020 shows the following. So the impact of changes experienced by the sector, including the impact of funding changes, such as JobKeeper. When we look at the timeline between April and December 2020, you can see that the retention of educators has increased over that period. The number of educators leaving the sector is low compared to the same period in the previous year. So we're looking at around three to 400, as opposed to around 750,000, sorry, 750 in the previous year. So these figures suggest that JobKeeper was an important factor in continuing employment across the sector over that period. The slight rise in overall active and total staff count can also be observed against the following the previous year. You can see the trend is going up despite a notable drop in overall active and total staff in the April to June period of 2020. And we can also see that the majority of ACT educators were retained throughout 2020. So we're now going to look at child enrolment and going back to the results of the July survey. Again, this is when the relief package was still in place. Um, it was just about to come to an end, transitioning back to CCS, and the schools were just about to go back to their normal arrangements. So at that time, 77% of respondents reported a change in enrolment numbers. 65% of out-of-school hours care service respondents recorded a decrease in the number of enrolments, with the most common reason being reported that parents were choosing to keep their children at home, as many people were still working from home at that time. 64% of long day care services reported an increase in child enrolments, with 80% of family day care services reporting equally a decrease and increase in child enrolments. So the common themes identified um, in the feedback were services experiencing difficulty recruiting staff, and this was restricting services' ability to increase child enrolments at that time. So we'll now move on to the October figures. Um, remembering that services had returned to, returned to CCS at that time and that schools had recommenced. So when looking back at the October survey, you can see that enrolments had stabilised and increased. The number of services experiencing a decrease in enrolments had also reduced. So overall services showed steady periods of enrolment um, increasing significantly towards the end of the year. So now having a look back at last year, we're going to have a look ahead to this year and what's going to be happening at a national level and also within the ACT. That's kind of so you'll already be aware that the NQF review is taking place this year. So the review aims to ensure that the NQF is current, fit for purpose and implemented through best practice regulation, ensuring that national law and regulations are able to effectively meet the objectives of the NQF 
The second phase of the ANCAF review is resumed and the Consultation Regulation Impact Statement, or CRIS as we call it, that feedback and information session has begun. We'll have an NQF review information session after today's morning tea break. You can also register to attend an online NQF review information session on the 22nd of March. And we'd encourage you to get your other educators, those who aren't able to be here today, and also parents who are interested as well to register for that event. This year, we are also conducting the National Workforce Strategy. So the workforce strategy work will commence in the coming months. The Australian Government's Education Council endorsed the development of a new workforce strategy in recognition of the complexity of workforce issues and that they can't be addressed by one jurisdiction or organisation alone. The strategy is to be developed as a joint partnership between governments and the sector. And on behalf of the governments, a CEQA has been asked to lead the development of the strategy and supporting the action plan. The final strategy and action plan is expected to be endorsed by the education ministers in the latter half of 2021. And the public consultation will take place in mid-2021, and there'll be a range of opportunities for you to contribute. So the seven main themes that the workforce strategy is going to be looking at is professional recognition, better use of data and evidence, improved qualification and career pathways for educators, attraction and, and retention of educators, leadership and capability, and also well-being and resilience of our staff. The last review and update that's taking place is that of the approved learning framework. So Education Council has also commissioned an update to the two national approved learning frameworks, Belonging being Becoming. So that's the Early Years Learning Framework and My Time, Our Place for Out of School Hours Care. As the approved learning frames, frameworks have now been in use for close to a decade, the purpose of this update is to ensure they continue to reflect contemporary developments in practice and knowledge while supporting all educators to best meet the learning and development needs of each child. The terms of reference and milestones for the update the processes are available on the Education Council's website, and stakeholder feedback and engagement is expected to commence mid this year. So we'll now move on to take a look at the ACT's early childhood strategy that's set up for success. And in particular, the three-year-old initiative. So over the past 12 months, the uptake of three-year-olds and three preschool pre has continued to grow. So looking at the chart, the purple bar is the number of children who've been placed with services. The yellow bar is the number of children who've commenced and the orange is the number of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children who've commenced Curry Preschool. Referrals are an all-time high for January this year, and many not-for-profit providers are increasing the numbers of places available. The sector is encouraged to support this initiative, and providers who would like to learn more about the early childhood strategy and get involved are encouraged to join us on our webpage or get in contact. Does anyone have any questions?
Um, I'm just wondering if you can give a little bit of more information. Uh, we've seen sort of a one-page, I think it's one-page, maybe two, two pages document um, from the department talking about uh, a trial that was run last year uh, encouraging schools and preschools uh, to open up their preschool space for outside school hours, education mm -hmm. and care. That was very successful and it was encouraging outside school hours and care providers to, you know, talk to their schools or, or community about um, perhaps setting them up. It's particularly pertinent to our centre, which is very, very um, limited in terms of space. So mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, particularly with the increase in um, preschool places potentially and um, how, like, can you give any other information other than sort of what initiated that trial and where that's going? Yeah, it's certainly something that the department is supporting. So we're working quite closely with our procurement team who actually manage the contracts for out-of-school hours yeah. care. Um, so where we have schools that do offer preschool out-of-school hours care, we're wherever possible encouraging them to use those areas. Um, that's a bit of a work in process, yeah. uh, progress. So um, really encouraging that relationship building. Yeah. And part of the new contracts with out-of-school hours care actually includes regular meetings between the school and the staff and the provider um, to start talking about philosophies, practices, build that trust and it's, yeah. Can so I just give you a bit of feedback? Of course. The outside school hours care program provided for here, but at the end of last year we had a group of, a substantial group of parents from the preschool uh, requesting, you know, additional care for their uh, children. And we were in discussion with the department director, the procurement team, about um, accessing space because we're limited in the space that we can use our schools, particularly um, squeezed at the moment with a population increase. And um, there was no mention of okay, there was no mention <laughs> of um, this trial that was going on last year, um, and we only received sort of you know um, we, we received that mail forming us of that in, the jan in January, I believe. So I'm just wondering, um, yeah, I'm just wanting to feed that back to you, that uh, you're working closely with the procurement team, but mm -hmm. they seem to know nothing about it. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm sure um, it'll, it's evolving, but I just want to give that feedback. Yeah, no, thank you for We're that. We're really, really keen. That, that it sounds like a wonderful idea, particularly for those, the youngest kids in a school setting where often the facilities are not built for those little kids and we sort of have little steps and modifications and we have the whole issue of transition um, from their relatively safe space to a not so well-equipped space. No, thank you for that. And that is something that the department's taken on this year. So we're actually going to be going out and talking to providers and to schools as well, um, making sure that those relationships are developing and pushing, very much pushing in that direction. So thank you for that. Anyone else? Any other questions? Okay. In that case, I'm going to hand over now to Lee Newland, one of our authorised officers from our quality assurance team. Some of you may know Lee. So Lee is going to provide an update on the degree scholarship programme. Thank you, Lee. All right, thank you, Claire. 
Good morning and welcome everyone. And I must say it is actually really nice to be able to look out and see a whole range of faces in this room again. So it's, it's a really lovely experience. We all know that there is growing evidence to suggest and support that educator qualifications lead to higher quality interactions as well as overall gains for each child's development, learning and well-being. A fundamental feature of the National Quality Framework is the requirement of services and providers to, re to, sorry, to retain highly qualified and skilled workforce through mandatory standards and formal qualifications, including degree qualified staff. The ACT government is committed to increasing the number and profile of degree qualified educators in the ACT through the Degree Scholarship Program. At the end of 2019, the Council of Australia of Australian Government's Education Council endorsed the development of a new national workforce strategy. Public consultation on the draft will take place in 2021 and there will be a range of opportunities to contribute. I'm just going to quickly provide you with an update about the ACT Degree Scholarship Program before introducing you to one of the program's recipients. So we've had 61 candidates who have been awarded the Early Childhood Degree Scholarship since 2014, with 16 awarded between 2019 and 2020. A further eight scholarships will be awarded this year. 21 applications were received for the Early Childhood Degree Scholarship Program in January 2021. Children's Education and Care Assurance are in the process of informing four successful candidates. The Early Childhood Degree Scholarship Program offers funding of up to $25,000 per scholarship for either full-time or part-time study. There is encouragement to employers to contribute to the funding, enabling higher numbers of scholarships to be offered. There's funding to employers to backfill staff while they are out on study placement, and further funding to support students to attend a four-week placement with SECA in their final year of study. And there is, as part of this, a Early Childhood Degree Scholarship Program deed developed between the student, the employer and the ACT government. As I described earlier, the 2021 Degree Scholarship Program has commenced and four successful applicants will be announced soon and a further four scholarships will be awarded later this year. We will now hear from one of the program's recipients, Joanne Cosentini, who is the Curriculum Mentor and Professional Learning Support at Guardian Childcare and Education. Joanne commenced her degree scholarship in 2019. So if we'd all like to welcome Joanne. I won't cuddle you. <laughs> um, look, I'm really pri privileged to be here today um, to represent the success of this scholarship. Um, I think I applied to uni at least five times and then I declined it five times um, previously and that was because I held the excuse of um, that financial commitment that would be taken away from my four children. So I was looking at it and going, 
I can't invest in me when I've got these four expensive teenagers who think they're Hollywood stars, even though they live in middle-class Gangarland. Um, and um, so I kept, I kept the excuses. Um, my other excuse was I'm 48 and I thought I'm getting way too old to do such intense studies. Um, so I had a mix of excuses. So I applied one more time. And then when I applied, um, I was very excited because a lot of my great mentors are within this room right here. Um, and so I went and boasted, because I am a bit of a boaster. <laughs> um, and when I was boasting, they told me about the scholarship program. So I applied and I was successful. So that took away my biggest excuse, that I couldn't do it because of the financial burden. But what I didn't realise when I was signing up, the other benefits of signing up to the scholarship. So it did take away the financial burden, but I got to also buy all the wonderful resource books that I've been sharing out to other educators and I still use within my own role. Um, also the great support from the team. So when I'd email and go, ah, oh, this is where I'm up to, they always gave such beautiful feedback to me um, and that support. So it made me take ownership of getting it done. Um, and also, while I was doing the studies, I became confident. I became confident in my role as an early childhood professional, but I also became confident as an advocate for professional learning. Nobody's ever too old. And I'm a good example of that. Um, so as I became such a vocal advocate, my company came to me and said, I think you need to be in that role. So that's how I was appointed to the curriculum mentor role and the professional learning role. So it opened up new doors for me in my learning, um, sorry, my career um, at Guardian. And also, it was now I'm able to celebrate other people's professional learning stories and I suppose support them in moving away from the excuses and getting to their main goal. And, but the scholarship was the main drive for me and I'm forever thankful to these wonderful ladies um, for giving me that push. So that's it. And thanks to all the mentors out there, because I can see a lot of people out there I know and who have supported me in my career. And I think what's wonderful about early childhood is it doesn't matter what organisation you're from or what role you're in, we're all in it together. So next time I come, I want to ce celebrate your professional learning story. Thank you. Joanne and congratulations on completing your degree and for sharing your story with us today. Before we head out for our networking and morning tea, I would like to invite Elizabeth Lee from the Education Directorate Support at Preschool team to explain the role of the team.
hello everybody. I'm sort of a person that needs to put my glasses on and off, so apologies for that. Um, I'm in the supported preschool team in the Education Directorate, and we support um, the preschools uh, to embed inclusive practices for all children. So I would also like to acknowledge the land we are meeting on today is the traditional land of the Ngunnawal people and that we have a strong connection and relationship and they have a strong connection and relationship with this place. I pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and we thank them for their continuing connection to country, culture and community. I would also like to acknowledge and welcome Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be attending here today. So the support at preschool team has six members and we are divided into the networks. Some of us work across networks um, and some of the people, Nicole and Justine, will also be out in the foyer outside during morning tea so that we can um, answer your questions and provide you a flyer. And some of you also might have had us visit your services last year where we were handing out flyers so that we could um, support any of the children that you have in your services that would be going on to preschool the following year. So we've also got that flyer for you today. So the network student engagement team who the support at preschool team belong with um, are, are able to collaborate as an interprofessional team to maximise the outcomes for children in their preschool year. So we can um, we're very fortunate to be able to speak to social workers, uh, psychologists, speech and language pathologists, occupational therapists and um, physiotherapists to support the children at preschool. The work of SAP aligns with the strategic plan, especially in the area of investing in early childhood, where our goal is to know every child and family before they arrive and that's where you can help us because if your families are choosing to enrol at a government preschool and they're in your services you're the ones that know them best and it would be really nice for us to link and strengthen our relationship our working relationships and it also actually aligns with the set up for success that Claire was referring to earlier, um, the um, early childhood strategy for the ACT. So this is a list of some of our role, but the main thing is that we support schools with the children that they have in preschool with a developmental delay and or disability. The children do not require a diagnosis for us to come out and support and it's based on the level of adjustment that's required for them to engage and participate in the program. We work with the school leadership and the preschool staff to build capacity to support the inclusion of children. We also offer consultancy and some professional learning um, opportunities for the Education Directorate staff. Um, again, I'd just like to thank those people that we've actually been out to your services in the past. Uh, normally we come out around about term four uh, with um, family consent. We would ask to come out and observe the children in your setting. 
so that we can have an idea of the level of adjustments that might be required when they go to preschool the following year. And so we really do thank you for um, letting us into your services and supporting the families and the children with their transition to preschool. Just thought it might be interesting for you to see some of the data from the many years that we've been doing this. And you can see that we are continuing to increase the number of children that we identify prior to coming to preschool so that we can support that transition. And then we're um, trying to develop quite a strong networking group um, with various um, people within the ACT. And just thought, I, I love this. Um, so every child has a story um, and we want to try and identify the children's individual learning and developmental needs and we want to target the intervention that's required to make them successful at preschool. So thank you, thank you for your time. Um, this flyer will be available outside at morning tea and if you have any questions or want to ask, um, ask anything, you can do that then. Okay, thank you. Lovely. Just a quick recap on some of the main things there. Um, I think the st statistics around the number of children in the supported preschool program is significant. And I also think that uh, the role of the education and care centres in actually making sure children entering preschool are known to the, 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 the teachers who will be then working with those children is so critical. I think you all know how long it takes you to get to know little people um, when they come into your setting. So a heads up on some of the things that make that little child and that little person special can be extremely helpful to the next teacher who's going to be responsible for that child. So if we just see it from the point of view of the child, you can just see how important the supporting preschool program could be in terms of the preschool year being capitalised on by that child rather than it being an, another 12 months of people trying to understand and get to know that child. So yes, let's all take home a flyer um, from, from supporting preschool program. Can I also just um, follow on from what Joanne was saying about being too old? You're never too old, right? Never. I did my grad certificate. I finished that in 2012 when I was in my 60s. So, you know, it's just wonderful to be an ongoing learner. Uh, principle five of the Early Years Learning Framework, the My Time, Our Place, we're all ongoing learners. So, you know, I can do nothing but advocate for, for, for being part of that cohort of people who see themselves as always being an ongoing learner.